Well, we are going to um, continue our series on um, tuned in, being led by the Spirit of God, how we can be led by the Spirit of God, and uh, following uh, the Lord in our lives, recognizing the voice of uh, the Spirit of God in our lives, uh, in every area of our life. I want to read you, uh, to begin with, uh, a few verses that uh, I think put following the Lord into such great uh, vocabulary that it really, uh, I think it's a good uh, launching point for this week's message. So I'm going to read the reference. You don't have to turn there at the moment if you don't want to. Uh, Acts chapter 11, verse 12. And uh, Paul said, And the Spirit bade me go with them, nothing doubting. Moreover, uh, these six brethren accompanied accompanied me, and we entered into the man's house. Notice he said, The Spirit bade me go with them. Acts chapter 16, verse 7, And they were come to Messiah. They essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. In other words, the Spirit didn't allow them. Uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 16, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his Spirit was stirred in him. When he saw the city wholly given to adultery, his Spirit was stirred within him. Acts chapter 18, verse 5, And when Silas and Timothy were come to Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit, pressed in the spirit, and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Acts chapter 20, verse 22, and now behold, I go bound in the spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will befall me there. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, I had no rest in the spirit because I found not Titus my brother, but taking my leave of them, I went from there to Macedonia. He said, I, have, I had no rest in my spirit. And then 1 John chapter 5, verse 6, This is he that came by the water and blood, even Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit that bears witness. He said the Spirit that bears witness, because the Spirit is truth. And so um, if I just read these phrases, the Spirit bade me go with them. The Spirit suffered them not, didn't allow them. His Spirit was stirred in him. He was pressed in the Spirit. He went bound in the Spirit and had no rest in the Spirit. And the Spirit bears witness. I love those scriptures because you're finding out, and I'm finding out, that uh, the Lord doesn't speak to you the same way that I speak to you most of the time. Actually, those are supernatural experiences, and when you look in the Word of God, and it sounds like people like uh, heard an audible voice, most of the time it wasn't audible to everybody around, it was just audible to them. And, uh, you know, there was a lady, oh, back in the, probably back in the 50s, and uh, she heard Oral Roberts say that he had heard an audible voice that told him to go preach. And so she started seeking for an audible voice. And uh, the thing is, the Bible tells us that there's so many voices in the world, and none of them lack significance. So there's significance to every voice that's coming to you and coming at you. And so um, uh, the devil will try to uh, impersonate and try to uh, get you to do things. I know when um, Brother Hagin was on his deathbed and he was dying and um, about ready to die, and the Holy Spirit was leading him into the Word of God concerning Mark 11, 23, and 24. And uh, whoever will say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and not doubt in his heart, but believe those things that he says will come to pass. He'll have whatever he says. So he saw that. He started to get a glimpse of light about that. And then uh, the devil actually spoke to him. And, you know, 
said, uh, what is your life? It's just a fleeting mist. It's here for a while, and then it's gone. And so as soon as that came, it didn't come from down here. It actually came from the mental realm. As soon as that voice came, he stopped reading his Bible. And then all of a sudden, he got another glimpse of the voice of the Spirit of God on the inside of him. And he said, wait a second. If this is right, then that can't be right. What is this? And, um, you know, uh, the devil wants to keep us ignorant because the Bible tells us that he goes around, he's dressed up, he looks like an angel of light. So uh, quite often, the way that the devil speaks most loudly is by quoting scriptures out of context. <laughs> and unfortunately, uh, you look, uh, leaders of, uh, certainly leaders of the um, synagogue in the time of Jesus were many times a mouthpiece for the devil. And sometimes people uh, in the church of Jesus today can find themselves mouthpieces of the devil. Like uh, Peter you know, he is like, Lord, I'm not going to let anything happen to you. I'm going to be with you no matter what. And um, the, Jesus said, well, you know, I'm going to have to, I'm going to be killed. And I'm going to have to die. And he said, not so, Lord. And the Lord said, get behind me, Satan. So sometimes the most well-intended people, that would be you and me, because I think you're all very well-intended. Uh, if we're not careful, we get up into our head and try to figure things out. And we don't respond or yield to or follow the Spirit of God. And, uh, you know, reason is not the voice of the Spirit of God. And God's not a body. He's not going to communicate with you uh, through your body. Uh, he's not a mind. He's not going to communicate with you through your mind. God is a spirit, and so he'll communicate with you through your spirit. So let's look at our three uh, scripture texts for this series. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 14 and Romans chapter 8, verse 16, and then Proverbs chapter 20, verse 27. Romans chapter 8, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Um, I'm going to read this in a couple translations. Amplified says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. All who follow the leading of God's Spirit are God's own sons. For God's sons are they who are led by God's Spirit. All people who let God's Spirit lead them are His children. It is those who are under the sway of the divine spirit who are the sons of God. For all who are guided by God's spirit are God's sons. And then Romans chapter 8, verse 16, just skip a verse. The spirit itself, or as the margin says, himself, bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So the Holy Ghost, the spirit of God, actually lets you know that you are born again. Um, but he doesn't like say, like, Jeremy, you're born again an audible voice like that as a typical thing. It's a, it's a witness, you know. So if you, you know, they tell me that there's a lot of accidents at this intersection right in front of the school. FYI, pay attention. <laughs> but if you and I were standing there getting ready to finish up or start here and uh, we saw an accident, we would be a witness to that accident. And so I might say, you know, we might come back in here. Maybe the police are asking us for a report because it was a hit and run and somebody's gone. And so I might say to you, like, Gary, was that a red car or a blue car? Right? And so you might say, I say, you know, and they, they're asking. I said, well, you know, it was a red car. Like, yeah, 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 that was a red car. That was a red car. That's what I saw. And so he's, like, bearing witness with me. So that's more how the Holy Spirit speaks to us, that you say, like, you know, Lord, should I take this position? Should I take this job? Should I go there? And you're kind of getting it, and it's like a, yeah, go ahead, or a, you have a check, an uneasiness on the inside. The Lord doesn't speak to our mind. So where I have had to develop and still have to develop is uh, 
I was an intelligence analyst. So I learned to analyze things. And it actually came quite, I probably have a grace in it because it came quite naturally to me. And I loved it. And I did a great job and had many opportunities that, you know, in that career field out here in D.C. And, um, but, uh, you know, you can use it wrongly when you're talking to the things of God. So the right way for me to use it is to take all my thinking and meditate on the scriptures and the word of God and let that roll over and try to figure that out and do all of that allowing the Spirit of God to speak to me through it. The wrong way is for me to say, like, okay, what should I do? Where should, I, where should we plant this church before we're coming out here? And so then I figure out, well, the demographics of the area are such that the income level is this or that or whatever. And um, side note, I found out that, you know, if you plant in a um, larger metropolitan area, people tend to make more money. If you plant in a smaller area, tend, people tend to make less money. So... Uh, if you're looking at like just from finances, it's nice that people make a lot more money, but you know like the building costs a lot more money and your house costs a lot more money and everything else costs a lot more money. So you're like, I'm going to go to the small town. You go to the small town. Well, then you find out, wow, it's really cheap, but everybody's income level is a lot less. So I still have the same faith problem, right? So we have to walk by faith if we're going to please God. Hebrews 11:6 tells us whether we like it or not. And really, you do like it. You actually love it in your inner man. The problem is, for you and for me, is when we're more in tune with our reasoning or with our natural man, uh, the voice of the flesh. There's a whole study, uh, flesh in the Bible, sometimes uh, the Greek word is sarks. And it has a whole lot more to do with than just your body. But it's, it's these desires that come and these things that come, and not just like sexual desires, but like earthly, natural, sensual desires. And it certainly includes those. Um, uh, the wrong ones. And so you find out that uh, you have to live by faith, no matter what you're going to do. And so the way to live by faith is we live by relying upon God. And as I said last week, um, you know, when Brother Hagen was paralyzed and had incurable blood disease and he was deformed in his heart, he's laying on that bed and he began to get revelation from Mark 11, 22, 23, and 24. And as he began to get revelation, he, he began to see, oh, wait a second. I see. I'm going to have to believe that I'm healed, that I have it, before I can actually feel it or touch it or see it. I have to believe it first, and then it's going to come to pass. So he started to get this revelation and this understanding. And he didn't have, uh, you know, a pastor like you have or a Kenneth Copeland or a Kenneth Hagin or all these wonderful uh, uh, I didn't mean to include myself with all those wonderful people, but all of these people that you would like, you know, sometimes you get going, you're like, oh, what did I just do? Um, but people that I would look up to, you know, and that I'm sure you look up to, and uh, he didn't have that benefit. The guys that were coming to him was like, it's okay, son, just a little, hold on just a little longer, it'll all be over. You know, just you can make it through, the Lord will give you strength to endure. That's the voices he had, except for the voice of the Spirit of God, uh, which was not an audible voice. Actually, uh, the audible voice that he had was the devil actually manifested in what to him was an audible voice while he was on the bed of sickness to try and stop him from getting revelation on that. Anyhow, when he started to get the revelation, then the day that he got out of the bed and began to walk, uh, the Holy Spirit said to him on the inside, you believe you're well? He said, yeah. He said, well, the Holy Spirit said, well, people ought to be up at 10, 
or 10.30 in the morning. Um, normally that's the case. He said, get up then. So like I've said throughout this series and maybe even before it, uh, you can't really be successful in your faith walk. I can't be successful in my faith walk and do it without the leading of the Spirit of God. Because is healing God's will? Yes. Is healing always God's will? Yes. Like how many ways do you find in the New Testament or even in the Old Testament to receive healing? I mean, I could give you way after way after way after way after way. Which way should you use the way that the Lord directs you? Right? And uh, if the Lord directs you, it's interesting that faith is right there because the Lord's speaking to you. And for me, I mean, I have, uh, I have had the Lord direct my path because I followed his leading throughout my life. And I've been in so many situations. I tend to think, like, if I meet you, uh, you know, most of you are uh, somehow involved in Bible schools or different things like that. Have you been involved in other churches? And if I meet you and I talk with you, my default uh, kind of personality is like, okay, I want to learn from you. You must know more than what I know. And so I'm going to learn and grow. And uh, I remember being in Bible school at Rama, and they had uh, prayer groups there. They have like about 130 prayer groups that generally are praying 24 hours a day all the time. And uh, so I joined a prayer group. And at that time, uh, they didn't really have uh, a leader in the prayer group. It was just like you had like six or eight people that joined a prayer group. And you pray. You have a prayer assignment. And then you also pray however the Holy Spirit leads you. And so that's how we did it. And um, uh, I remember there were some things that I'm not going to go into really right now in prayer that we were touching in the edge of. And uh, these guys, it was a guy's prayer group. We didn't do like co-ed prayer groups, you know. <laughs> Don't want people laying hands on you suddenly. It's a bunch of single people who go to Bible school. <laughs> the purpose is prayer. <laughs> you know. And so anyhow, I'm in a guy's prayer group. And um, they are, like, stepping out, like, in the things of God and kind of going beyond really where the Holy Spirit was leading us and, like, speaking these things and, and those type of things. And there can be a place for that. But uh, I had a check in my spirit, like, eh, don't do that, don't do that. And so I didn't. And, man, with, within about 30 days, they came back, and uh, they have an a afternoon school there called Prayer School. And the minister that was ministering there, he talked about, you know, how... Uh, you are a God man, and you, should, you can step out and act like God did, act like Jesus did, and you can. But he said, you know, you really can't uh, go too far without the leading of the Spirit of God because you kind of get out on your own. And so they all came to the prayer group. That was Friday. They came to the prayer group the next morning, Saturday morning. We had a 7 a.m. prayer group, and um, they were, like, sad because, like, things that they had been doing in our little prayer group was not, um, was, they were kind of admonished. In the, uh, in the prayer classes the day before. And uh, when this is all happening, I'm sitting here feeling like I must be the most unspiritual person in this group because like, they're like, you know, all this stuff. Da, 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 da. But I have found that as I follow the Holy Spirit and his leading, man, I keep that peace and I keep that security. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you know where I'm at. You have my number. And if everybody else is like so far ahead of me, I figure you can teach me right? And you can be the one that, uh, that uh, trains me and shows me the way to go. So I could give you story after story after story just like that to where, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times the crowd is not always the correct way to go. And I think actually many times the crowd is not the way to go. And you can look that, see that in uh, the book of Genesis, so on and so forth. So let's look at uh, Proverbs 20 verse 27. 
Proverbs 20, 27, and we spent a lot of time uh, there last week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time this week, but I will uh, read it to you. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Or the spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord, searching all the inward chambers of the heart. So the way that God is going to lead you is by your spirit. When any man is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Everything becomes new on the inside, your inner man. Your spirit man becomes brand new. And so um, when your spirit man is recreated, it's recreated in the likeness and the image of God. And so your spirit actually, uh, and John it tells us, that you actually become, your spirit becomes one with God. So the Lord's on the inside, and that's how he's going to lead us. That's how he's going to guide us. And that is through our spirit man. The spirit of man is the lamp or the candle of the Lord. And uh, that's where you're going to get guidance and direction. John chapter 4 says that God is a spirit, and they that worship him, Jesus is saying this, must worship him in spirit and in truth. And we kind of touched on this. God is not uh, a mind. So he's not, like, you're not going to figure out how he's leading you. Like, uh, you know, some uh, groups of Christians like to say, you know, uh, God works in mysterious ways, his wonders to perform. You never can figure out what God's going to do. And, you know, um, it's interesting that sometimes those groups of people have problems with speaking in other tongues, which to your mind is a mystery. And you're speaking mysteries. <laughs> uh, but, uh, like I said, selective scriptures. Uh, so God's not a mind. He's not going to connect with you through your mind. So if you're looking for, okay, what's the leading of the Lord in this? It's not something that you're going to figure out. One of the things that I have found most effective in my life is I get into the presence of God. However you get into the presence of God. And uh, many times that comes through uh, musical praise and worship. But you may not be musical, and uh, so then you can just start to lift your voice to the Lord. I know when I'm ministering to people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you know, one of the best, most effective ways is to have them focus on Jesus. Because people want to, like, focus on you, like, what power do you have? You know, I don't have any power. The Holy Spirit has anointed me to preach the gospel, anointed me to lay hands on people. And so that's the power of God. That's not Tim's power. That's the power of God. And um, he's not a respecter of persons. So... Uh, the power of the Spirit of God is what we really want to connect with. And the way we connect with the power of the Spirit of God is getting into His presence. And, you know, this morning we sang some songs about the blood. And, uh, you know, have you been, don't raise your hands, anybody, but if you've been praying those prayers, these Ephesians prayers, for wisdom and revelation and understanding, and, you know, we kind of started the year out that way, and I am having a great time. Because like every day, I'm seeing thing after thing after thing, and I'm kind of like trying to keep up with my notes. And so lately, I have just been getting some glimpses of revelation about the cross and the blood and, uh, you know, the mighty power that's there. In fact, I was praying with a friend of mine yesterday on the telephone. And while I was praying with him, I'll not get into all the details, but I saw this person laying on the ground strapped with all of these chains just strapped to the ground. And I was trying to describe it to my wife after I got off the phone. And I said, I said, it was like the chains were instantly on the sides. Like they weren't broken. They, it's not like I saw them break and come this way or they were still on, but they were all off on the sides. And uh, just getting glimpse after glimpse after glimpse and then just uh, really uh, 
becoming so thankful for the power of the blood. Because the blood is the one thing that actually takes us out of the natural and brings us into the supernatural. And wherever the blood of Jesus Christ flows, that's where the Holy Ghost goes. You can look at it from the very first point when Jesus died on the cross for you and for me and for all those that don't even know him. When he died on that cross, the blood paved a way the blood flowed so that the Holy Ghost could come and live inside of you and live inside of me and live inside of the worst sinner that you know in this city or this area or this country or even the world. Um, so the blood made a way for God's Spirit to come so that we wouldn't actually be alone. And, uh, you know, the Holy Spirit uh, leads us, guides us, speaks to us uh, on the inside. So the way that we're to be led under the, under the New Testament is not by prophets. In the Old Testament, you know, you go find yourself a prophet and have the prophet speak and say something and do what he says. And, uh, you know, that's a lot easier on your flesh, except for if you can't get your flesh to where the prophet's at. Then it's a little bit of a difficulty. Uh, but we are not to be led by prophets or prophecies. And I believe in uh, New Testament prophets and prophecies and all the gifts of the Spirit. And we have been uh, blessed to be around much of that and have had words spoken over us. But if I ever had a word spoken over me that didn't bear witness with what I had in my heart, I would either totally get rid of it or just put it on a shelf. Because God's not going to like say something through somebody that he's not already, already saying to you. And it's like, uh, you know, we're pastor in this church here. And the Lord's not going to do something in the service that he's not going to tell the pastor about because... The Lord sets things up in structures and authorities, and so he's given me responsibility to lead the service under his direction and to lead the church under his direction. So if something's going to uh, happen, the Lord's, I'm going to have a witness on the inside at minimum. You know, uh, Am I infallible? No. Uh, but I have that responsibility. And so the Lord's not insane. He doesn't like set things up. Sometimes we get so like spiritually minded that we think the Lord's just out willy-nilly doing all this stuff. Man, there are legions of demons. The demons are set up in legions. There are legions of angels. They're set up in legions and platoons. Like if you were military, I was military. You can kind of understand how this is all set up. And you look at Jesus. One of the things that made him marvel is when the centurion said, you don't have to go to my house. You just speak the word. Why? Because I'm also a man under authority. And I know if I speak the word, I don't have to physically go. It's going to come to pass. So I know if you speak the word, you don't have to go. It's going to come to pass. Because uh, that's really how uh, the world is set up. So the, the primary way that we're going to be led is through the inward witness. And um, I mentioned last week in 1959, um, I probably didn't mention all of it. But anyhow, Brother Hagin was uh, in the hospital because of a different story. And um, one of the few times he went to the hospital, and while he was there, uh, he heard uh, footsteps coming down the hallway, and as he heard those footsteps coming down the hallway, he opened the, uh, the door, was just cracked, and the door opened all the way, and there was Jesus standing, and um, uh, kind of made every hair on the back of his neck stand up. And Jesus sat down and talked to him about the ministry of the prophet, because he stood in the office of the prophet. And in the context of that uh, conversation, he said, I'm going to teach you how to be led by my spirit. Uh, uh, and so one of the emphasis of his ministry was not only faith, but being led by the spirit of God. 
So he gave him actually two examples. And he, the Lord told him in both of these examples, he said, I'm telling you, I'm standing in front of you. You can see me with your eyes. And I'm never going to lead you this way again. And so he told him these two things. And uh, he never led him that way again. Every major move, and even those were not major moves. And I'll tell you the story of him in just a second. Um, but every major move that he had, he went by the inward witness. So we came out here to visit, you know, like are we supposed to plant a church out here or whatever? We came to pray and seek the Lord because uh, the area was really on my heart heavily. And um, we went back and people said, what did the Lord say? Did the Lord say something to you? Well, the Lord really has a sense of humor and because uh, um, I like to tease and I even tease the Lord sometimes. So we were driving into town for our little prayer thing up in Sterling. Uh, we went, found a hotel up in uh, Sterling over by Dulles and... Um, so when we came to town, you know, I was a little bit, um, there's no distance in the spirit, you know, and I'm like, we have to go all the way to there to pray? Why do we have to go all the way there to pray, you know, like, but we had had some people that we honor in the Lord that gave some examples that bore witness with our heart, like they went to the place of prayer and they prayed and all this stuff, so I said, okay, we'll take a trip out, we'll pray. And uh, right before we're getting off the highway to get to the hotel, <clears throat> I said, sort of snidely, I said, well, Lord, we're here. And my wife just busted out laughing. And, uh, you know, I was saying it like, Lord, it's time to speak to us because we came all the way out here. Now, now you need to speak to us. She just busted out laughing because on the side of the road was this black sign with white letters that said, you asked for a sign, dash God. <laughs> well, the, this is what I love about Jesus because he knows you better than you know yourself. And he knows that if I saw that, that would actually perturb me a little bit because I'm not led by like some sign on the side of the road. Oh, yeah. But it was kind of like I was saying it snidely and he's kind of said it back to me snidely. And I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, you know, you have to be led by my spirit in this area just like every other area. So don't try to like do all this stuff. So we come and we pray and, um, you know, was there like an audible voice? No. And we had a good time of prayer, but would I have like all of a sudden crystal clear? No, no. But uh, what we noticed was we saw, like, um, all these people. There's, you know, you ever notice there's a lot of people here? Like, there's people everywhere. And if you haven't noticed, just drive, like, at 5 o'clock or maybe 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> so there's, like, all these people. And I get back home, and, you know, we'd been through some church planner stuff, so I was looking up some church planner information. And on one of those websites, there was a scripture there that it said, uh, when Jesus saw the crowds... Wearied and scattered as sheep without a shepherd, he prayed, send labors in the harvest. Man, that scripture like leapt off the page. And I could like, it's like you could almost touch it. And I was like, oh, and I knew, like my head didn't know, but I knew in my heart, that's where we're supposed to go. We're supposed to go there. So um, we want like this black sign with white writing, right? <laughs> but the Lord is like bearing witness. And... Um, uh, that's the primary way he leads. And that's really, uh, you know, when Brother Hagen made all these major moves, that's what happened to him. I know when they got the campus that they're at now in Tulsa, Oklahoma, one of his board members um, was saying, you should come look at this. You should. He's like, I don't want to go look at that. I don't want to go look at that, you know. And he, as soon as he went on campus, something just went off on the inside of him. And he was like, oh, man, you know. And uh, he was actually living in Garland, Texas, before he moved up to... Uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and had everything figured out. He had a plan. He was living in a house. He had another house on the back lot, and they were going to make the front office office, and the back house they were going to live in, or vice versa. I don't remember which. And uh, 
then uh, he felt an inside uh, tug and nudge to go to Tulsa. And he was, oh, man, we had this all figured out. And so um, sometimes, and I think a lot of the times, maybe you could say all the time, the Lord can do a lot more than our figuring out can do. And uh, he knows better than what we know. And the way that we tap into that is uh, we come uh, to him. My friend I was talking to on the phone yesterday, I told him, I said, one of the things I said, one of the greatest things I think about prayer, one of the greatest ways to hear from God and to get into the presence of God is there's two, two huge, huge keys. And one of them is uh, humility, and the other one is honesty. And so we say, like, well, I'm going to go pray about this, that, or whatever, and maybe it's an urgent situation, maybe it's not. Well, if you take uh, your agenda and your plan and you, what you figured out, and you kind of just set it to the side and go into the presence of God, humbly meaning, uh, okay, Lord, you know more than what I do. Because I don't know about you, but I've gone into prayer times where I'm like, okay, I'm going to tell the Lord what needs to be done and how it needs to be done right? So, okay, Lord, you know that they're acting like this, and you know, da, 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 can you change them? Da, da, da. And he's like, well, what, what, about, what about you? Could Maybe you could change. <laughs> and, um, or, you know, you go, and I've had things where it's like pressing against you, and you're like, I really need an answer to this. But in my heart, I just know, like, just worship God. So I thought, okay, I'm not even going to take this time of prayer. I'm not even going to ask you anything. I'm just going to worship you. If, if every time I've done that, I think this has happened, I draw near to God and by the end of that prayer, he gives me with clarity and distinction the answer that I was going to ask him about, but I chose to lay aside and get into his presence. And then honesty, you want to come honest because, um, uh, you know, the Lord knows anyhow. Like, so if you sinned, like, the Lord knows what you did. Uh, we sometimes act like he doesn't know. Oh, Lord, <laughs> you know. Uh, but he does know. And he knows, he knows what we've done, and he knows what we haven't done. And uh, then a lot of times, we will, uh, we will uh, try to be somebody that we're not, even in prayer. And I know one of uh, the greatest experiences I ever had in prayer was with Brother Hagen, and uh, his son-in-law uh, was uh, going to go to heaven early. And uh, in Augusta, 1998, I was actually in the meeting where he prayed about his son-in-law dying too young. And he started crying and praying, and I won't get into all of the, the stuff that went on there, but uh, pleading his case and those type of things, and the Lord pled his case back. And uh, uh, he ended up going to heaven a couple months later, and uh, it really impacted me. And in the, all of those meetings, I've said before, his prayer life impacted me because it was like he was like sitting down, having some coffee, talking to the Lord. And that was my first exposure to that. And I thought, this is uh, different. You know, is this like, is he faking it? <laughs> is this real? What's going on? And um, we had an occasion uh, to, uh, so I've tried to develop that in my own prayer life. And um, uh, we were praying with some friends a few years ago. And um, they had a situation in their, in their church that was really close to their heart. And, um, you know, there were some accusations that their pastor had uh, committed adultery and these type of things, and they were close. They were kind of related to the pastor. And um, so uh, we went up to their house to pray with them. And so we start praying, and they're a little bit stressed out, you know, because of the whole situation. And uh, as they're um, praying, uh, we kind of hit what I call a brick wall. So we're praying, and like, it's like you're coming up, and you get stopped. You can't go. And... Um, 
So I said, uh, I said, hold everybody, stop praying. And I asked him, I said, is there anything like, you know, I feel like we're hitting a brick wall. Is there anything like that you have on your heart? Like, do you know why that would be? And uh, no, 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 we don't know, we don't know. And I said, okay, I said, well, let's pray and ask the Lord. So I said, so we started praying and I said, Lord, now we're praying and it's like we're hitting this brick wall. And uh, what's going on? Man, within like, I don't know, 60 to 120 seconds, uh, the Lord gave Melody a tongue, and then I had the interpretation, and it just drilled past all of that clutter and junk that was uh, bothering them emotionally and in their mind, and just, and set them free just like that, and was the answer to where they needed to be to get in faith to pray. And, uh, but you got to be honest. So a lot of times we'll sit there and be like, I don't know, it just doesn't, doesn't feel like God hears me. It doesn't feel like this. It doesn't feel like that. And we're not to go by feelings. We're to go by faith. But you also have an inward witness, and you're led by the Spirit of God. And so uh, you could and probably should stop and say, hey, Lord, like, why does it seem like I'm all alone? Because you're inside of me, and I'm praying about this. So, you know, when my friend's father passed away a couple weeks ago, we got a call, and we immediately went to prayer. And when we went to prayer, uh, it was like our words in prayer were falling flat and falling dead. That's probably a bad way to say that because he had already passed away. And, um, but it was like you didn't have that connection, you know. And so in your heart, you're kind of like, no, no, you know, you don't want that to happen. And, uh, you know, another instance I remember was uh, my wife and I were, we went down to see my grandmother. My grandmother was in the hospital. And uh, she'd been in the hospital a few times before that, and she was in her 80s, and so she didn't have probably very long uh, on the earth, and she didn't understand about healing and those type of things. And uh, every other time, we just didn't feel like necessary to go. And that time, I just I said, babe, I said, we need to go. And so it's, it was two hours south of where we were living, so we went down, saw her in the hospital. And it's one of the best I'd seen my grandmother doing, like in the last 15 years before she passed away. And we had a good time. My grandmother was always such a worrier. And uh, I talked to her, and I said, Grandma, how are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm doing great. She's like, I used to worry about all this stuff. I'm not worried about anything. Everything is great. And I said, really? <laughs> Never seen you like that. <laughs> are you sure you were born again before? <laughs> and so uh, she just was at such peace. There was such peace in that room. And the only thing I regret is we walked back out. We walked out, and I thought I was, wanted to talk to her about something you know, like, you know, do you think what, like, if you went tonight type of thing or whatever? And I'd already talked to her about the Lord. She was a Christian. But just to have a, a little conversation about heaven with her. And, uh, but then we drove home that night because we didn't have much time to be out of town. And so we went back home, and my brother called and said, pray. You know, she's gone into, I don't know, for cardiac arrest or some critical condition. And um, uh, you don't care if I tell this. I'm in the middle of it. So uh, we go to start praying. And, I, and we start praying, and the same thing, like, I'm, like, praying by myself. The Holy Ghost is not praying with me. I'm praying by myself, you know, and we learn in the epistles, like, you want to preach with the Holy Ghost, you want to pray with the Holy Ghost, you want to do it with the Lord, not, not apart from the Lord. And um, uh, Melody said, no, 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 we're not going to let her go. She's this, that, and so she's just getting all, like, distraught about this. And finally, I said to her, I said, well, like, what do you have in your heart? Well, like, she's gone, she's, gonna, she's, she's gone, she's not coming back. And I said, well, then why in the world are you doing that? <laughs> well, because I want her to go back. And I said, well, it's like a good experience for us to learn. 
because uh, that's why I tell people, particularly when you're talking about family or you're talking about dating relationships, romantic relationships, it's so really important for all of us that we draw really near to God because it's really difficult to separate your emotions uh, from what's going on. And if you get all up in your, uh, you get all emotional and in that whole uh, realm of your being, um, that you're, which, which the Bible calls your soul realm, realm your mind, your will, and your emotions, uh, you'll become more connected there than you are with your spirit man. And so you'll actually hear that more clearly. And that's not necessarily like the Lord. You know, the Lord can use your emotions and does use your emotions, but he doesn't lead you through your emotions. So um, we are a three-part being. Um, we are a spirit we have or we possess a soul, which is our mind, our will, and our emotions, and we live in a body. Somebody said, this is just my earth suit. So you can think of somebody going to outer space and they're in a space suit. This is your earth suit. This is my earth suit. And this is how we contact the physical realm, the realm of the senses. That's why we don't use our body to contact God, because he's not in the physical realm. He's in the spirit realm. Thank God he came in the form of Jesus in the physical realm so we could see what God would look like in the physical realm uh, so that nobody could lie to us any longer and say that God put sickness on us in order to teach us something because uh, Jesus went about teaching, preaching, and healing. He came to show us the will of the Father. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. So we can look at the ministry of Christ and you say like, well, if, he, if uh, sickness is from God to teach us something, why was Jesus opposed to what God was doing? And Jesus even told us, they said, like, you cast out that devil by the spirit of the devil. And he said, no, a house divided against itself cannot stand. It will fall. I'm not doing that. The devil came to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And if you look in the Garden of Eden, there was no sickness and there was no disease before the devil got a hold of someone's mind and someone's mouth and someone's body and got them to act on it and gave him access into the earth realm. And then when the devil's put into chains and we go to heaven and for eternity, there's no sickness, there's no disease, there's not even any crying. So we can find out just from the context of the word of God what God is like and uh, penetrate through the lies of the devil and the blinders that the devil would try to put right in front of our face. But God's a spirit, and he's going to speak to you, he's going to speak to me by our spirit. Now, our spirit, you know, you could say, like, conscience is the voice of your spirit, and is your conscience a safe guide? Well, not if you're not born again, because uh, even unborn again people have a spirit, but it's separated from God. Remember, uh, God told them, in the day that you eat of that fruit, you will surely die. Well, you don't see them just, like, falling over bodily. But they were separated from God. Death is, uh, spiritual death is separation from God. So they were separated from God. And when they got separated from God, they died on the inside. And that inside death began to start an outward death because the decay of the body began from that point forward. Boom. And so uh, they no longer had an unending life. And so people go around, you know, I want to find the fountain of youth. Wouldn't it be great to have, find the fountain of youth? I'm 40 years old now, and you start to think about the fountain of youth because you're like, I'm 40, you know. And um, I think it's still pretty young, but then some days I think, well, 40. I remember when my dad was 40, I thought, he is old. <laughs> Not so old anymore. Uh, but we really do have the fountain of youth, right? Because we actually are renewed in our inward man day by day. The Bible says the outward man perishes or is decaying, but the inward man is renewed day by day. And when our outward man, if Jesus uh, waits to come until we grow old and live a full life, 
uh, we're going to die, you're going to die sometime. Like, I got news for you. You're going to die, I'm going to die. Unless Jesus comes and we're transformed in a, in a split instant. Um, we will die physically, but you'll not die spiritually. And that is really the saddest part of people that don't receive Jesus is because all spirits are eternal. And so you're going to have an eternal spirit. You are an eternal spirit, and you're going to live eternally with the Lord or apart from the Lord in a place called hell. And so we don't want anyone to experience the place called hell. We want everyone to know Jesus Christ and to spend eternity with him. But in our spirits, we are like God. And so he's going to communicate to us through our spirits. He's going to lead us through our spirits and guide us through our spirits. And uh, if you're born again and your mind is renewed, then your conscience can be a safe guide for you to follow. So if you think of the voice of the conscience, I try to teach my kids this, like uh, my, my um, daughter was saying to me the other day, like, Lord, you know, not Lord. That would be if we were Old Testament. She would say, Lord, Lord. Uh, she said, Daddy, um, I don't feel like God talks to me. And so then I have to run her through like experiences in her life when the Lord talked to her. And I told her, I said, you know, I said, do you know, like when you're getting ready to do something really mean to your brothers and you're going to do all this and you have something that's like, don't do it, don't do it. On the inside, it's not like through words, but you feel like, I shouldn't do this. I said, you know, that's your spirit in tune with the spirit of God saying, don't do it. So the Lord is leading you. The Lord is guiding you. Or the opposite way, which is much better, Evie is when the Lord says, you should like do this for that person, or you should pray for this person, or you should, you should tell daddy, daddy, now would be a good time to pray, because she tells me that. <laughs> We're like accountability partners. And so that's the leading of the Lord. And that's the Lord speaking to your spirit. But uh, the Lord does not lead us by our personality. The Lord does not lead us by our mentality. And the Lord does not lead us by our flesh. He leads us by the inward voice, in communication and connection with our spirit. And, um, you know, <laughs> I kind of hesitate to say this example, but I heard it for so long. Uh, but Brother Hagen described it, and other people in his era, which is a different era than our era, would describe the leading of the Lord as this soft, velvety-like feeling. And the reason I kind of laughed is that Jeremy always gives me a hard time, like, the velvety-like feeling? And uh, it's like a go-ahead. And normally, you, like, you can't actually necessarily put... Uh, your finger on it and say like, how do you know you're supposed to do that? I don't know. I just know. It's just, on, it's just here on the inside. And um, sometimes you learn uh, what things are by learning what they're not. And uh, so many times I help identify the voice of the, uh, my spirit in communion with the Holy Spirit by uh, looking at times when I miss God and the Lord was speaking to me and I had a check or an uneasiness or it's just like, oh, I just, you know, I want to get out of here. So uh, when Jesus appeared to Brother Hagin was teaching him about this, I'll give these two examples real quick, then we'll close. Um, he walked in and, you know, he said, I'm going to teach you how to be led by my spirit. And um, that's where we talked about an offering last week. Uh, Jesus said, if you'll learn to be led by my spirit, I'll make you rich. I'm not opposed to my children being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. And uh, many times we get that reversed and then he is opposed to us being covetous. Um, so he said, you were getting ready to go to this church. This church had invited you. And you were writing a letter to the pastor to accept his request for you to come, his invitation for you to come. And he said, uh, Jesus said to him, you took that letter and you got halfway through it and you tore it up and threw it in the trash. And then a couple days later, you did the same thing. And a couple days later, you did the same thing. He said, I'm appearing to you right now and I will never appear to you like this again to tell you that that was my spirit telling you not to go there. 
because that was not where you're supposed to go. I'll never lead you this way again. And then the other one, he was at a, a minister's meeting. At the minister's meeting, he was talking with some ministers, and a guy came up who had a small church, about 70 people, and said, you know, Brother Hagen, if the Lord ever leads you, we would love to have you come to our church. And so, you know, he didn't think much about it because people would ask him that all the time. And, um, you know, he would go wherever the Lord told him to go, whether big or small. Although when he was starting out, you know, he was more, um, uh, what do you call it? moved by the size of the church because, right, if it's a bigger church, it's a bigger offering. You've got this budget to meet. You've got office expenses, all this type of stuff. But he learned how to be led by the Spirit of God. So he would get in prayer. And for about 30 or 40 days after this, when he was praying, this guy would come before him and come up in his heart. And he would think of this guy and he would see this guy and not like an open vision or anything like that, but he would just be uh, aware of this man. And for 30 or 40 days, every day this happened. And so Jesus said, I'm appearing to you right now to tell you that's the leading of my spirit to tell you you're supposed to go to that church. And uh, he did, and it was a great meeting and, and, and those type of things. But <clears throat> I think those are two great vivid examples because have you ever been like doing a business deal or doing, um, <laughs> better would be like if you wanted to send somebody an email and really tell them how they should be acting. <laughs> And so you write the email, and you're getting ready to hit send, and you're like, no, don't hit the send, don't hit the send. And then you, like, stop, and then you, you, know, you start the next day when you're not so emotional about it, and you're like, ooh, I'm really glad I didn't send that email. <laughs> or you got, like, a business deal, and, uh, man, it's like everybody's telling you, your investment broker is telling you, and they're like, man, this, you should invest in this, you should do this, go ahead and, uh, uh, you know, take it and do that. And uh, on the inside, you got this gnawing feeling like, oh, oh, it's not going to go good. It's not going to go good. And, you know, that's the spirit of God trying to, like, uh, enlighten you and uh, help you and bring you understanding. And um, when you follow him, he knows where the stock market's going to go. He knows how your job's going to go. He knows uh, relationship problems. He knows, uh, let me close with this. And that um, nobody uh, can love you like Jesus loves you. And nobody can talk to you like Jesus talks to you. Because nobody knows you like Jesus knows you. And nobody loves you like he loves you unless they're loving you with his love. But we're imperfect vessels, so we're not 100% in that department. Um, so Jesus knows like exactly the words to speak to you or to your family or to your coworkers or to your friends to help. And to bring hope. And so uh, when you are talking to someone and you really want to help, especially uh, when you're family, listen to the Holy Ghost. Because he'll give you words that will be received, not words that will be rejected. And, uh, you know, there's a side of when people reject Christ, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Christ. But it's so important that we be a voice for the Spirit of God and that we kind of maybe slow ourselves down and not say like, I know all the answers. I know what to say. I understand all these people, all this type of stuff. Maybe you do, but I guarantee you, you do not understand them the way that Jesus understands them. And you do not know uh, what to say the way Jesus knows what to say. And you don't know what to do the way Jesus knows what to do. And so I know when I've had difficulties in my life, there's no voice more precious to me than the inward witness, uh, the peace of God flooding the inside of me. Uh, you know, that one translation says, 
when you cast all your cares on the Lord, Philippians 4, 6, that the peace of God will rush in like a garrison of soldiers in a turbulent country and quiet you. And so you can actually take and have the peace of God do that. And um, we were with a, a kind of business associate and friend this week, and she got some really bad news about deaths in her family. And um, I just asked her, I said, well, I said, can we pray with you right now? And she said, well, yeah, that would be great. And so we prayed, and man, the presence of God filled that house that we were, we were in. And you could just sense the peace of God. I look at it like a, a little cloud coming and settling down on you and just settled right down. And she said, wow, thank you so much. That was like exactly what I needed. She said, well, she was kind of surprised. She said, wow, that made a difference. <laughs> with that, we'll close. Would you stand with me, please? Yes, the Spirit of God makes all the difference in the world. Yeah. Uh, every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you'd like to know him, uh, you can know him. Uh, if you're listening and you don't know him, you can know him. Yeah. And he wants to know you. And the devil wants to lie to you and wants you to continue to believe a lie that you have messed up too bad, that you've done too much, that you've gone too far that you have to clean yourself up before you come to him. That's a lie from the pit of hell. The best cleanup job that you could ever get, that I could ever get, is done by Jesus Christ himself. He has been touched in every point of sin, just like you, every point of temptation. He has been touched, yet he didn't sin. And then he took on the sins of us all, the iniquities of us all, the bad habits of us all, and by his blood set us free and ransomed us, bought us back, brought us into the place of communion with God. So if that's you this morning and you're listening or you're here, I want you to just raise up your hand. I'd love to pray with you. If you're listening online, email us at info at anchordc.org. If you're here this morning, you are not filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, and you'd like to be, you can just slip up your hand or come down afterwards also for salvation. We'll pray with you. You can email us again online if that's you. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you so much for the Spirit of God, your Spirit, who leads us, who guides us, who lives on the inside of us. Father, I thank you that you sent us your word, that you healed us, that you brought us light, that you brought us revelation. And Father, we know that that light and that revelation comes by your Spirit. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you that he is with us when we're born again, and that he's come upon us as we're filled with your Spirit. Father, we thank you for the precious Holy Spirit. I pray for each and every person that's here this morning and those that are listening. Father, that you would give us a spirit of wisdom, revelation, understanding, and the knowledge of you and the knowledge of your leading and of your spirit. I pray for each of us, Father, that we would develop our spirit man, yeah. that we would develop and uh, remain and, and uh, obtain and stay connected in a constant communion connection with you, Father. We come to you not with all of our uh, things that we've done, not with uh, how wonderful we think we are, but Father, we come to you with how wonderful you are and how awesome you are and by the blood of Jesus. And I take that blood and I speak it now over each of our lives. I plead the blood of Jesus over everything that concerns us, over our hearts and our minds and our bodies, over all our affairs and over our affections. In Jesus' name, amen.